Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness me. Well, well, well. Um, how are we today? Um, I am working today. I'm working and I'm even working tomorrow, even though it is Wednesday and I don't normally work Wednesdays, but this Wednesday and next Wednesday I am working because, 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 because I am taking Monday and Tuesday off and I'm going back up to Blackpool. And this time I'm going with my sister, her little boy, Ronan, and my daughter, I'm leaving my boys behind. They're staying with their uncle. Woohoo! I'm going to have a real break. <laughs> oh dear, I'm quite excited. But it does mean that I've got to work Wednesdays for two weeks. But never mind. We're going up on Saturday. So, um, anyway, enough of me. Um, how are you all? Are we all good? I'm so glad. Now, did any of you get the riddle from yesterday? Hmm, well, a few of you did. I thought it was quite very difficult, but apparently um, I was the only one. Uh, because quite a few of you managed to get it. So well done to you all. So the riddle was, what is made of water? But if you put it into water, it will die. <gasps> and it was an ice cube. Oh, I think that was quite a tricky one. So um, well done to all of you who got that right. But well done, well done, because Toby, you got it right first, apparently. Um, don't know where you're from, don't know how old you are, but well done. So, I have a happy birthday to Emily, who is six today. Um, so, happy birthday to you. <laughs> I hope you have an amazing day, Emily. Um, again, I don't know where you're from or um, anything else about you, just that um, it is your birthday. And do you know what? You share a, do you know what you share a birthday with? You share a birthday with Google. So we all know Google, don't we? We search for things in Google. Well, it is Google's birthday today. So there you go, Emily and Google share a birthday. <laughs> And it's also Ancestor Appreciation Day. So you have to appreciate all your ancestors that lived hundreds of years ago. For some reason, it's National Crusher Can Day. I'm not quite sure why um, you have a day for crushing cans. But everybody get out there and crush a can. Um, it's also National Corn Beef Hash Day. And I have to say, I love corn beef hash. Oh, it, it is yummy. So I'm quite happy for it to be corn beef hash day. And I think I actually might make some corn beef hash. 
So that might be my tea sorted. So, shall we do a riddle for today? Hmm. I like this one. This one is um, complicated. I don't like numbers. I'm um, what they call number dyslexic, uh, which means I'm literally scared of numbers. I'm they make me cry. So, um, so this one is a little bit complicated for me. But I am sure that all of you um, will be clever enough to solve it. So get your thinking caps on. Hey, diddle diddle, riddle me this. There were two ducks in front of a duck. And two ducks behind a duck. And one duck in the middle. How many ducks were there all together? So too many, uh, two ducks in front of a duck, two ducks behind a duck and one duck in the middle. How many ducks were there? There you go. And I'm not even going to think about it because it will make me cry. <laughs> so who's ready for a fun fact? And I love this fun fact. It is so cute. So, we all know polar bears and we all know grizzly bears. Yes? But if they had a baby, a polar bear and a grizzly bear, if they had a baby, it would be called a pizzy bear. How cute is that? A little pizzy bear. I wonder whether it would be brown or black whichever color a grizzly bear is or whether it would be the same color as a polar bear how weird how weird to think about that <laughs> a pizzy bear i love it it's oh i don't know it's made my day that <laughs> i like to think of these things so um are we ready for a story um, I'm sat here drinking hot chocolate, by the way. Hot chocolate with marshmallows, cream and sprinkles. Probably something that I should not be drinking uh, first thing in the morning. But it's nice and it's warm and it's oh comforting. So, are we ready for chapter three of book five of The Magic Faraway Tree? The Adventure of the Goblin Dog. Well, book uh, chapter three, sorry, is In the Land of Stupids. So if you remember, they go up to, um, through the, uh, up the, and blah, 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 start again. Um, talk properly, Sarah. Uh, up the, la the, dear me, up the faraway tree. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Through the clouds and into, um, the strange land. So here goes. The village was full of strangely built houses. All of them were crooked and many of them seemed about to tumble down. Some had chimneys at the side instead of, the, instead of at the top. A great many had doors near the roof which had to be reached by ladders. What stupid looking houses, said Peter. 
Did you ever see anything like them, Mary? I never did, said the little girl, staring round in astonishment. Look at that house, Peter. It hasn't any doors at all, only windows. <laughs> and that house opposite has only doors and no windows at all, said Peter, beginning to laugh. It certainly was a strange place. And the people were just as strange. The children soon met some of the stupids. They were round, fat people with great big heads and large, staring blue eyes. They look like grown-up babies, said Mary with a giggle. They were dressed strangely. Their clothes were all right, but they didn't seem to know how to put them on. Nearly all of them had their coats on back to front and their buttons were buttoned wrongly. One stupid went by with a shoe on his foot and a boot on the other. The children stared at him and could hardly wait to laugh until he had gone by. Oh, we've got to get to giant land from here, said Peter. Don't let's spend much time in this silly village, Mary. Let's ask how to get to giant land and go on. So they stopped the next stupid and spoke to him. He was a funny looking creature with a sailor hat on. But as he had made it, had, as he had it on side to front, the ribbon dangled over his nose and made him blink all the time. Good morning, said Peter politely. Please could you tell us the way to giant land? The stupid stared at him and blinked quickly. He made no answer at all. Perhaps he's deaf, said Mary. So she asked the question, this time in a very loud voice. Please, could you tell us the way to giant land? It's a long way. But you can get there if you start, said the stupid suddenly as if it was a great effort to answer. Peter thought that was a silly sort of answer. Yes, but which is the way, he asked. Well, there's only one way and that's the right way, said the stupid grinning. Of course, said Peter impatiently, but which is the right way? The stupid stared at him for a long time blew the ribbon away from his nose and then scratched his head. Ah, oh, he said at last very gravely. Ah. Oh. Ah, oh, what? said the children together, puzzled. Just ah, oh, said the stupid. And he grinned as if he had said something really very clever. Peter pulled Mary away, scowling. Silly creature, he grumbled. What does he mean with his stupid R's? Can't he tell us the way without such a lot of blinking and talking? Mm, he certainly was a stupid, said Mary, beginning to laugh. As she turned and saw the stupid watching him, she, his ribbon was dangling still over his nose. We'll, we'll ask someone else. They can't all be as silly as that. They walked on down the twisted street. They came to a very crooked little house with two chimneys built in the side, very near the ground. 
smoke was pouring out of them and streamed towards a clothesline on which was a small, stupid putting clothes. Just look at that, said Mary, stopping. Did you ever see anything sillier than someone putting out clean clothes where dirty smoke can spoil them? They stood and watched the small stupid. She had a basket full of clean clothes and those she hung higgledy-piggledy over the line anyhow. A wind came and blew two of the clothes down to the grass. The stupid picked them up, shook them and flung them over the line again. Why don't you peg them on? called Mary, quite annoyed to see such silliness. She had often hung out the washing for her mother and knew just how it had to be done. Why should I peg them on? asked the little stupid, staring at the children with round blue eyes. That would only make more work for me. No, it wouldn't, said Mary. You make far more work for yourself if you don't peg them on, because you have to keep picking them up when the wind blows them off. And besides, they'll soon get dirty if you keep falling. they keep falling on the ground. Oh, how clever of you, said the stupid in delight. She ran indoors and brought out a box of brand new pegs that had evidently never been used. She had no idea what to do with them, so Mary pushed open the crooked little gate and went into the garden. In a few minutes, she had neatly and tightly pegged up all the clothes in a row, and then no matter how the wind blew, they could not fall. The little stupid watched her in admiration. Ah, <gasps> thank you, she said. Thank you very much indeed. They won't fall down now. I never thought of that before. I suppose you couldn't tell me why my clothes always seem so dirty when I come to take them in. No matter how I wash them, they always seem full of smuts when I take them indoors to iron. Well, I can tell you the reason for that, said Peter. He pointed to the chimneys that were puffing out black smoke onto the clothes. Just look where your clothesline is, right beside those chimneys. The smoke puffs over them all the morning and fills them with smuts. I never saw such a silly place to put a clothesline. The stupid stared at him, open-mouthed. You clever boy, she said. Oh, you must come with me to the head stupid. He will be so pleased to meet clever people like you. Shall we go and see him? Peter said to Mary. He would know the way to giant land if anyone would. Oh, yes, let's go, said Mary. So they let the little stupid lead them down the street to a bigger house at the end. It was a little more sensibly built than the others, but seemed to have far too many doors. The little stupid knocked on the biggest door and a voice called, Come in! They opened the door and went inside. Inside, there was a big room with a large fireplace at one end. Over it, a large stupid was sitting, muffled up in coats and scarves. 
Are you cold? cried Mary in surprise. It's such a lovely day outside. The house was full of draughts. The fire smoked badly and the children's eyes were soon hurting and stinging. The big stupid looked at them solemnly. Of course I'm cold, he said in a grumbling sort of voice. So would you be if you lived in a house as draughty as this one. And this wretched fire, no matter what I do to it, it always smokes. Well, why do you have so many doors? asked Peter, looking round. He counted six doors leading into the one room. How ridiculous! No wonder you're always in a draught, and no wonder that your fire smokes. With six doors all around you, and badly fitting doors too. Would that be the reason? asked the big stupid in surprise. Dear me, I never thought of that. You must be very, very clever. No, I'm not, said Peter. I'm just an ordinary little boy, but I hope I've got some common sense. If you would have some of these doors taken away and the doorways built up, you would soon find that your room would be as warm as toast and your fire would stop smoking. But it would be better still if you came out of doors on this lovely day and got warm in the sunshine, said Mary. The big stupid looked at them with his large blue eyes and seemed to be thinking hard. Then he smiled and nodded. You are clever children, he said. I would like your help in some difficulties that are puzzling me. Well, we would like your help too, said Peter. Do you know the way to giant land? Yes, said the stupid. Yes, I do. I've never been there, but I know the way. How do we get there then, asked Peter. If you'll help me, I'll help you, said the stupid, blinking his big staring eyes at them. All right, what do you want us to help with? asked Peter impatiently. He was getting rather tired of the stupids. I am head stupid, and once a day my people come to me with complaints and grumbles, said the stupid. Perhaps you could tell them what to do. Oh, yes, they could, said the small stupid suddenly and eagerly. She had been standing in a corner, listening, and now she came forward. These clever children taught me how to stop the wind from blowing my washing away and told me why it gets so smutty each week. They could help us a lot, Master. Good, said the head stupid. Ring the bell, please, and tell the people to come around with their grumbles. The small stupid ran outside and the children heard her ringing a bell. The head stupid got up and went outside. He sat down on a mat there and beckoned to the children to sit beside him. Presently, up the crooked streets came a crowd of the stupids. They sat down in a ring around the head stupid and looked at him with their staring blue eyes. Then one got up and bowed. Master, my feet hurt me. What can I do? Shall I have to buy crutches? P 
Peter and Mary looked at his feet and began to giggle. The silly creature had got his boots on the wrong feet. No wonder they hurt him. Take your boots off and put each one on the other foot, called Peter. Then you'll be able to walk comfortably. The stupid unlaced his boots and did as he was told. Then he stood up and walked about. A smile spread over his broad face. My feet are healed, he said. I can walk in comfort. Well, don't put your boots on the wrong feet again, said Peter. Fancy not knowing your right foot from your left. Master, I cannot see with my glasses, said a fat little woman, whose shawl was round her waist instead of over her shoulders. She held out her glasses to the head stupid. He gave them to Peter. He could see nothing wrong with them. He put them on and found that they magnified things very much. They were, they were for someone very short-sighted. He looked at the fat little stupid. Her eyes looked back quite clearly. Surely she was not short-sighted. They're my grandfather's glasses, she said to Peter. I like to wear them in memory of him, but my eyes go wrong when I do. Mary began to laugh. Fancy wearing glasses that belong to someone else and expecting them to suit your own eyes. If you take the glass part out and look through the rims, you will find that you can see perfectly, she said, for she was quite sure, and so was Peter, that there was nothing wrong with the stupid's eyes. The head stupid at once took the glasses from Peter, smashed the glass part, took the splinters from the frame and gave the spectacles back to the woman. She put them on and gave a cry of delight. I can see through my glasses now, she cried joyfully, blinking through the glassless spectacles. My eyes are all right. Peter and Mary couldn't help laughing. Why wear the spectacles at all if she could see through them without any glass? But that never once came into the head of the fat little woman. Then, to Peter's surprise, all the stupids who were wearing glasses solemnly took them off, broke the glass and put on their spectacles once more, without any glass in them. Much better, much better, they said gravely, nodding to one another. The children stared in surprise. Were there ever such stupid people? They thought that one person's mistake must be everyone's. Please, Master, I can't reach my coat pockets, no matter how I try, said another stupid coming forward. The children looked at him. He was very plump, and as he had put on his coat back to front, and, of course, buttoned it all wrong, he found it was impossible to reach round to his pockets, because they were now at the back instead of the front. Take off your coat Put it the other way and you'll find you can reach your pocket, said Peter at once. The stupid did so and when he found he could then put his hands into all his pockets, he was overjoyed. He pulled out all sorts of things and examined them carefully as if he hadn't seen them for months. Which, Peter thought, was quite likely as it would never occur to him to look through the pockets when he had the coat off. <gasps> clever, very clever, cried everyone admiringly. 
one after another. The stupids asked their silly questions, which the children found easy to answer. When everyone had finished, Peter turned to the head stupid. Now we've helped you as we said we would, he said. Will you tell us the way to giant land? Well, it's dinner time now, said the big stupid. Let's have something to eat. They went inside the smoky house and the two little stupids set a table. They set it very badly, the children thought, for they put the knives on the left-hand side and the forks on the right. Just as if we were all left-handed, Mary whispered to Peter. The meal was served wrong as well. The pudding came first, and then the meat and vegetables. Now it's time for a nap, said the head stupid. And he straight away lay down on his unmade bed and began to snore. The children stared at him crossly. What a lot of time they were wasting. Why couldn't he have told them the way to giant land before he went to sleep? Let's wake him up, said Peter. So they dug him in the ribs and clapped him on the shoulder, but he simply turned over on his other side and snored even more loudly. Then Mary took a sponge that was, of all funny places, lying in the coal scuttle, filled it with water and squeezed it over the stupid's face. Still, he didn't wake. It's no good, said Peter in disgust. I believe he's pretending to be asleep, just so that he shan't tell us our way. The children did not get away from the land of stupids that day, for the head stupid slept until six o'clock and then he wanted his supper. He kept putting the children off until they both became very angry. You are very mean, burst out Peter suddenly. We've kept our part of the bargain. Why don't you keep yours? If you don't know the way to giant land, why why don't you say so? Oh, but I do know it, said the head stupid annoyingly. And don't you speak to me like that or I'll have you locked up. Whatever for, cried Mary indignantly. Can't we tell you if we think you're not playing fair? You great silly stupid, I don't believe you know what it is to keep a promise. The stupid clapped his hands five times and four more stupids came in at once. They wore what was supposed to be policeman's uniform, but somehow it had got all wrong. Their helmets were on sideways and were so big that the children could only see the mouths of the stupids. Their coats, as usual, were back to front and their trousers far too short. Instead of heavy boots, they wore fancy bedroom slippers with blue rosettes on, and this made Mary laugh loudly. Lock them up for the night, said the head stupid, and to the children's dismay, they were marched off to a little round house that was a sort of police cell for it had bars on its only window and a great bolt on its one door well they seem to know how to build a prison all right said peter gloomily looking through the bars oh it's too bad mary we shall never get away i expect they don't want us to go said mary we're much too useful to them i'm sure they'd like to keep us here to answer all their silly questions and to put everything right for them just as long as ever they could mary uh, peter stared at mary and then he answered her in excitement 
Mary, I do believe you're right. That's why they won't tell us what we want to know. They don't want us to go. We're too useful. They'll try to keep us here as long as they can. Oh dear, said Mary in dismay. However can we get away? Well, we can't. If they lock us up like this, said Peter, trying to see if he could force out the bars on the window. They may be stupid in most things, but they're clever enough to know how to keep what they want. The children sat frowning together in the little cell. There was a mattress there and one chair. That was all. There was no way of escaping, and outside they could hear the tramp of their four guards. Suddenly, Peter smiled to himself. Mary saw him. What are you smiling for? she asked. I've thought of a way to beat the stupids, Mary, said Peter. Listen. He dropped his voice to a whisper so that if any of the guards were listening, they could not hear. Tomorrow we will be even stupider than the stupids. We won't be able to answer their questions, or if we do, we'll answer them so stupidly that the silly creatures will think we're no use to them and let us go. See? Oh, yes, said Mary at once. That's a very good idea. If they think we're not so clever after all, they won't bother to keep us. That's what we'll do, Peter. We'll be as stupid as they are. They soon fell asleep after that and did not wake until the morning. The four guards unbolted the door and marched them out. They had breakfast with the head stupid who asked them most politely how they had slept. How did I sleep? Well, I slept with my eyes closed, I think, said Peter solemnly, with a very stupid expression on his face, which made Mary giggle. The head stupid said nothing more. He gave Peter a scornful look and went on with his breakfast. It was just as funny a breakfast as the dinner had been. It began with marmalade and toast and went on to bacon and eggs, finishing up with porridge. I want you to come and help me with my people's complaints again, said the head stupid when they had all finished. Certainly, said Peter, taking the head stupid's hat and putting it on back to front. He looked so silly that Mary couldn't help giggling. She wished she could think of something silly to do, too, such as taking off her socks and wearing them on her hands. Oh, but it was too much trouble. The head stupid probably wouldn't notice anyway. When the bell rang, the stupids all came round again with their complaints and their grumbles. But this time, the children were most unhelpful. My clock won't go, said one stupid, holding up a big clock. Peter felt certain that the stupid had just forgotten to wind it up, but he didn't say so. He took the clock gravely, shook it, turned it upside down and then handed it back. No, it won't go, he said, and would say no more. The head stupid frowned at him, but Peter pretended not to notice. I can't do up this coat I've just made, complained another stupid. She held up her coat and Mary saw that she had made all the buttonholes and stitched all the buttons on the same side of the coat. So of course she couldn't do it up. Mary took the coat and pretended to try to button it. Then she shook her head and handed it back to the anxious stupid. It won't do up, said Mary. And that was all she would say. They would <clears throat> tell the stupids nothing that morning and the head stupid became more and more impatient and at last he lost his temper. 
I thought you were clever, he stormed. I thought you knew more than we did. You're even sillier than the silliest stupid in the village. I don't know how you managed to deceive me yesterday. We told you we weren't clever, said Peter. We're just an ordinary boy and girl. Well, you're no use to us, said the head stupid. You'd better go. That's just what we want to do, said Peter. Which is which is the way to giant land? I shan't tell you, said the head stupid meanly. Find out for yourself. Peter and Mary stared at him in disgust. What a mean, horrid person he was. Come on, Mary, said Peter, taking her hand. We'll leave this foolish place. Its people are even too stupid to have any manners. He put his hat on straight and the two children walked away from the village. They had no idea which way to go, but they thought they might meet someone who could tell them. Soon they had left the crooked houses behind and were on a high road. There was no one in sight at all. They walked on in the hot sun and presently they saw that the road forked into three ways. Which one ought they to take? There's a signpost, Peter, cried Mary suddenly, pointing to a three-fingered post standing not far off. It's got names on it. It's sure to say which way giant land is. They ran to it. The first arm, pointing to the right, said, This way to giant land. Oh, good, said Peter. We'll go that way. Then he stopped and stared at the next arm, pointing to the left. It said, take this road to giant land. That's strange, said Mary, puzzled. They can't both go to the same place, surely. The third arm said, to giant land, this way. Why, all the roads seem to lead to Giantland, Mary, said Peter, more puzzled than ever. Well, maybe Giantland is so big that it stretches in all directions, said Mary wisely. Let's take the middle road. We're almost sure to be right then. If Giantland lies to the right and to the left, there must be some in the middle too. You're quite right said Peter. So they took the middle road, wondering very much what the land of giants would be like. Well, tomorrow maybe we'll find out what the land of giants is like. So, um, I hope you enjoyed that chapter. The land of stupids was an awful place to be stuck in, wasn't it? Imagine. Oh, dear me. Um, I don't think I'd like to be there. No matter. Even even I would be classed as clever there, wouldn't I? <laughs> right. I am going to go and get myself sorted. Um, and then I'm going to sort breakfast for my children so that they can get ready for school. I hope that you all have the most awesome day um i hope that you know what the or figure out what the um 
the riddle is, so don't forget, it's there were two ducks in front of a duck, two ducks behind a duck, and one duck in the middle. So, let me know if you work it out how many ducks there were. Quack, quack. <laughs> anyway, you have a wonderful day. And I will see you all again tomorrow. So, make sure you take care. Make sure you stay safe. And I will see you all tomorrow. Bye for now.